New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting Zakaya Murray. She's the author of Mindfulness in the Garden, Zen Tools for Digging in the Dirt. Zakaya, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you, Justine. It's great to be here. It's good to have you. Well, let's talk about mindfulness practice and gardening. How do they support each other? Can you Mm. describe that? Sure. So let's start with talking about mindfulness. Mindfulness is a practice where we continually bring our attention back to the present moment by paying attention to ourselves, our thoughts, and all that's happening around us. And one of the ways that we can do that is by attuning to the inflow and outflow of our breath. Very, very simple practice. And... Then when you bring that together with gardening, we're bringing ourselves into communion, into a direct relationship with the garden in a very mindful, quote-unquote, way by attuning in mindfulness in the garden. We are practicing bringing our thoughts into connection with our breath and also with what we're doing while we're gardening. What is the difference between this mindfulness practice and meditation? Meditation is a process of going very deeply within. It's a very deep centering process. It's about becoming quiet, very similar to mindfulness, but it's a process that's more inward-oriented. We withdraw our attention from external input. With mindfulness, we're opening and opening and opening and paying attention to the experience that we're having in that present moment. So it's about awareness in both cases. One's inward and one's outward. Do gardens and nature help with this process more than mindfully walking around our house? Anything that we do can become a mindfulness practice. I'm strongly drawn to nature simply because of its unconditional way of being. It sort of just is, and it accepts us just the way we are. So it's sort of this really easy container to be ourselves. And so that's the invitation. A lot of the sounds in nature being with the earth, all of these things bring me back to myself. And I think that there are a lot of us that experience that in nature, that we experience a deep connection with the earth and with ourselves when we're out in nature. You write about trees, and you remind us that trees breathe with us. Can you describe that? Right. So as a tree is giving off oxygen, we breathe in the oxygen and then breathe out carbon dioxide, which is actually the in-breath of the tree. So we're directly breathing with trees. It's very, very Mm. magical, isn't it? It is. You give us the commission when we're taking a shower to feel ourselves as trees in the rain. Can you describe that? Yeah, I remember a time I was actually on a retreat and I was with a yogi and we were doing a lot of meditating and I was sort of in this bliss place where I was really communing with nature very strongly. I mean, I would see a color outside of a flower and, you know, I was really feeling, I was feeling the color, not just seeing the color. And there was this point where I was taking a shower and and I remember the sensation of the water touching my body and I just 
really touched into how the tree may feel when it, the water is streaming down its body and just made that really nice connection down into the earth and receiving the clouds falling, you know, from the shower head sort of thing. It, it was just uh, a really direct experience of relating to the tree in a different sort of way. Maybe 60% of our body is made up of water. So we have a real affinity with water, too. So say something about that. We sure do. Yeah, definitely. We're primarily water. When I'm drinking a glass of water, I, I just wonder to myself, how many times has this glass of water been drunk? And how, how many lives has it moved through? How many trees, how much ground and earth, where has this water actually come from? I mean, it's such a, an amazing journey when we start to think about our interconnectedness with everything. Well, talk about the different stages of water. Well, so, you know, we have the clouds that form, and then the water falls, and it falls into the sea, and it may um, fall into a lake, a freshwater lake, or to an artesian well, whatever it is, it may be underground. And then we have a way of extricating that water. We drink the water. Then we release the water back into the earth. And then it just continues that process over and over again, endlessly, really. So the water never really disappears from the earth. It may get polluted. (laughs) Right, and it changes form. Water is the one liquid that when it freezes, it rises, it goes to the top of, of the liquid yeah. It makes the whole earth work in a very special <laughs> way. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. magical. Very magical. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about our interconnectedness and how we are all made up of the same material, and that really is based on the earth itself. Can you talk mm-hmm. about that? Well, our cells are, first of all, constituted of water primarily, and also then the minerals of the earth. There's no real way to separate them. There's a very simple saying at Deer Park Monastery in the nuns' dining hall. It says, and I don't think I have it verbatim, the bread I hold in my hands is the body of the cosmos. In just that simple statement, it encapsulates the whole concept of inner being. First of all, in the bread, there's the cloud from the rain, there's the wheat, there's the minerals from the earth, there's the earth that's in the bread. So now I'm holding it in my hand and it's crossed through how many people's hands to be made, first of all, and all the instruments and things that they used to make it and the people that invented those things and their parents who had them as children. And then I'm holding it in my hand and I eat it and it gives me energy. And then I begin to speak with Justine Willis-Toms on the show. Yes, it's amazing. And it really leads us to a tremendous sense of gratefulness and gratitude, Mm -hmm. doesn't it? Yeah, it sort of helps us become less static (laughs) in a way in in our thoughts, right? It helps us to stop feeling so separate when we actually really allow ourselves to know that truth. You use in your book these beautiful short poems you call gatas, Mm -hmm. and each chapter starts with one, and then there's usually one contained within the chapter. Let me just read one that I copied out from the book. You say, Aware of the weeds in my garden, I start where I am. In their clearing, the tangle of my mind is loosened. So talk about like how the weeding and working in the garden and then it untangles our own mind. Mm -hmm. 
It reminds me of when I first started gardening at eight years old as a child. My chore was to go outside and do the gardening around the house. And I always started in this far back corner of my mom and dad's house. I grew up in Ohio, and it was underneath the silvery leaves of olive trees. And they would always get the weeds that were popping up underneath them. And my dad had planted them in a very, very straight row, as as he would. And they were lovely. And so I would start there. And it was sort of hard to look at them initially with all the weeds that were there. And then by the time that I was done, I would sort of stand back and I would look at the work that I had done and I could see the clean, clear brown earth that was underneath those trees and was taking care of the roots of those trees. And I could feel a sense of peace within myself. That's sort of the first time that I can really remember how that peacefulness enters as we clear our own weeds. And I noticed too, you know, my mind even became more quiet as I would pull the weeds. And, you know, I was going through all my childhood things at that time and And I would just get quiet, and I remember sort of this really very sincere communion that would happen between myself and the trees, and as things would get clear, so did I. It just reminds me that many people who may not do a formal meditation, we just experience them as very peaceful, loving people, and Mm -hmm. and they're gardeners, and (laughs) they're really dedicated to their gardens, and it's just this natural peace and mm-hmm. and lovingness that exudes out of them. It's sort of true, isn't it? It's <laughs> true met, in my experience. Yes, I've met many gardeners as a landscape architect, and it's very true. They're very earthy. They're very grounded. Part of it is that groundedness, the fact that they've been with the earth so much that they sort of live it and they breathe it. And uh, it, you can feel that presence in them. You can feel nature's presence in them. And there's a way to learn a natural kindness to mm-hmm. all the critters that we share our land with, mm-hmm. even those that we may be repulsed by or would rather they not be there. So sure. can you say something about that? Yeah, I think that one of the starting places for me in, in having that conversation about the critters that might be perceived as less desirable is to really discern whose land is it really, who was there first and who has come as sort of the intruder, if you will. And more than often, we're going to return to ourselves as being the intruder. (laughs) And so being compassionate with those sort of natives, if you will, that are in our garden and finding compassionate ways to deal with them. I know that you mentioned like with snails and slugs, they don't like copper and Mm -hmm. like putting little penny, copper mm-hmm. pennies around the plants mm-hmm. that you don't want them to. And that would discourage them. It doesn't kill them, but right. they would just go somewhere else. So that's mm-hmm. like a way of finding these little tricks that are not, mm-hmm. you know, crushing them or or right. having them drown in beer <laughs> exactly. or whatever. Yeah, Totally. I learned a new one, too. As a oh, matter of fact, a friend of mine shared with me, if you pour a, basically a trail of sand around your plant, well, the snail can't get traction on the sand so they won't be able to get in either. Oh, there you go. There you go. Pretty simple. We just have a moment left. Is there anything that you would like to leave us with? To me, nature is the master of being with a capital B. It is unconditional in its being. It just simply is what it is. And it gives us permission to do the same thing. And I think that that's what I want to encourage all of us to do is to really allow ourselves to truly be. As a young athlete, I was encouraged to practice with people that were more skillful than I so that I would become 
a better athlete more quickly and in encouraging humanity to be itself, I would encourage them to spend time with the master of being, nature. Thank you. Oh, beautifully said. Thank you so much for being with us on the New Dimensions Cafe. You're welcome. Thank you, Justine. I've been speaking with Zakaya Murray, and she spells her name Z-A-C-H-I-A-H, Zakaya Murray. She's the author of Mindfulness in the Garden, Zen Tools for Digging in the Dirt. Thank you so much for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe, and I ask you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.